0: You are listening to audio from Riverside Church. If you would like to check out more resources, please visit riverside.church. Good morning. So we are now in the fourth week of our series on practices. We began with the practice of Sabbath. It's a nice place to begin, this, this, this rhythm, this regularly occurring rhythm with which we gather one day in seven or one year in seven. Uh, this interruption of work and this coming together as a community. And then we turn to the practice of the sacraments. So there are these visible symbols, baptism and the Lord's table, that convey an inward grace that can't fully be explained in words, which is why we do it and act it out. And then last Sunday, Jess invited us into the practice of prayer, which is yet another place to, be, to encounter Christ and to be formed in Christ. And today, we're going to move into the practice of Scripture. So you can put a lot of words between the of and scripture there, the practice of reading scripture, the practice of memorizing scripture, the practice of praying with scripture, of exegeting scripture, of interpreting scripture, applying scripture, praying scripture. So just like there are very, very many ways to pray, as Jess talked about last week, there are also very many ways to practice scripture. So as we get set to dig in, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your body gathered together this morning. We thank you for the texts assembled together in the Bible, the scriptures that speak life into our lives, that have authority over our lives, and that guide us into your truth and into your ways. So as we open your word together today, may these words of my mouth and the meditations and thoughts of Every one of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So before I jump into the practice of scripture, we're going to spend a little bit of time on what scripture is, in case you don't know. Um, Because we spend so much time studying scripture, teaching on scripture, is a very large percentage of the time that we spend here in worship together is somehow related to scripture. So it makes sense to talk a little bit about what it is. Um, Riverside Statement of Faith says this about the Bible. And so scriptures in the Bible kind of go hand in hand, very, very much used synonymously. It says this, The Bible is God's unique revelation to people. It is the inspired, infallible word of God and the supreme and final authority in all matters upon which it teaches. No other writings have such divine authority. The Bible's truth is timeless and speaks to our everyday lives. So we have a high view of Scripture here at Riverside, a very high view. Um, It is unique and inspired. It is infallible, which means, if you want to look it up in a dictionary, never wrong, never failing, or making a mistake, never making a mistake. That is the supreme and final authority, and it is timeless. And we do believe that truth can be encountered in all sorts of books, right? You can encounter truth in very many, very many books. Uh, all sorts of books, but that the Bible and Scripture itself is unique. That doesn't mean that we value our specific or only interpretation of Scripture or, or of every passage of Scripture over against everybody else's, um, or to even claim that at River, anyone at Riverside, perhaps the pastor least of all, fully understands everything that the Bible is getting at, because I do not. But it does mean that as a community, when we look at the Scriptures, we believe that they have unique divine authority over their lives. But how about like the practicality of it, because this is about practices. What is the Bible practically? A super short recap, if you don't know, written by over a dozen writers over thousands of years. What we call the First or the Old Testament is made up of 39 mini books. And the oldest and the first five are also known as the Pentateuch, And that was the first chunk of Scripture to be called the Law or the Torah. And after the ministry of Jesus, another 27 letters or books of Scripture were compiled to make the New Testament. And the New Testament was written in a much shorter, like approximately 100-year period. And it is itself a compilation of the apostles' teaching and eyewitness accounts of Jesus' ministry. When the New Testament talks about Scriptures or the Law, so whenever you hear the New Testament talking about Scriptures or the Law, It is referring to the Old Testament. Because that was their that was their Bible. That's the only Bible they had. Okay, so one of the great miracles of God's word is that the whole thing holds together. So much so that we can confidently grant the scriptures authority in our lives. We can do this because this story that the Bible tells, the story of the triune God creating the cosmos calling out his people Israel, covenanting with them, sending Jesus the Messiah to bring liberation and salvation, and promising to restore the whole thing to complete and perfect wholeness under Christ's reign, that story is this utterly compelling and singular story behind the whole story, behind the whole of Scripture. And today's goal, today's primary goal, is to explore the practice of Scripture. So let's do that. I've never been a big practitioner of the classic three-point sermon, but in this case, I can't not do it. So, we're going to call the three points today, three building blocks of scripture practice. Yeah, I'm going old school. Three building blocks of scripture practice. The first one is this, revelation. Scripture is revelation. The scriptures reveal who God is. Agreed? Scriptures reveal who God is. That's a big deal. The fact that Scripture is revelation is a huge deal. It may be no surprise that one of the main points of the Bible is to reveal who God is to us. That's why we're so taken with it, right? It happens through historical record. It happens through storytelling, prophecy, and fulfillment. And the fact that God reveals himself through Scripture um, just keeps us coming back to it, right? Examining the words and the stories and the pages. God's revealed himself in the scriptures and continues to do so as people continue to wrestle with it, with the text over centuries. So God's truth is eternal, but our understanding of it is far from static. Does that make sense? God's truth is eternal, but the way I understand it and my capacity for understanding it changes throughout the course of my life. So um, think about the folks who first read Genesis chapter 1. The very first folks who had access to it and read it the story of creation. They hear about a formless void and a spirit hovering over the waters, right? Those words are in the text. And then God speaks things into existence. But then, much, much, much later, centuries and centuries and centuries later in the story, we learn a lot more about that spirit and how it interacts with humans. And we wonder if the Holy Spirit that comes at Pentecost and dwells in us, is the same spirit that hovered over the waters at creation. We, we wonder that because we've we got more information, right? And then we read Colossians, which we just did together a little bit ago, and we discover the idea that God created all things somehow through Christ. And this is just one example of layers of truth being stacked on top of each other, right? Enhancing our understanding of God. Not contradicting each other, but stacking on top of each other and enhancing our understanding of God. Oh, I didn't know that before, and now oh, that kind of changes how I think of that. And then we have this wonderful cascading idea of 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 new understanding and enlightening. Um, or look at the example of Jesus. This is a very classic one out of Scripture, where he explains how the Scriptures reveal who God is in Luke 24. So you might be familiar with the story of Jesus appearing to two men on the road to Emmaus shortly after he was resurrected. So he he rose from the dead. And then he's just walking next to these guys who are on this road. He's walking with them, and he's try- they're trying to make sense of what has happened with Jesus. They had so much hope, and then he died, but now there's murmurs that he's risen from the dead, and now he's walking with them, and they don't know it. But he has this to say to them. He said to them, How foolish you are! How slow to believe all the prophets have spoken! Did not the Messiah have to suffer all these things and then enter his glory? And then beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So do you see from that story how the scriptures reveal who God is? Right? Jesus uses the scriptures to talk about how this story has been telling my story all along. Do you see it here? 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 And... Oh, to have been a fly on the wall or on the road as they were talking, and Jesus was explaining that. But this is essential to our, our practice of scripture, right? That, that the scriptures reveal who God is. And it's precisely this God who the scriptures testify about that we are after. Right? It's all about us connecting to God and learning more about God and growing nearer to God. So, okay, that was our first. Building block, Revelation, scriptures reveal who God is. And then the second building block is this, believing, thinking, and living. The scriptures order our faith, doctrine, and conduct. So that uh, seems like it's cheating to call that one building block because that's a lot of stuff, right? But (laughs) it covers a lot of ground, admittedly. It could easily be three separate points. But I really want to hold them together because they're so interdependent, right? They're not independent, they are interdependent. Our believing, our thinking, and our living. And frankly, because we get into some serious trouble when we separate our faith from our doctrine or our doctrine from our conduct or any, when we pull out one of these and forget the others. So I want to look a little more closely at the passage that uh, that Bonnie just read for us from 2 Timothy. I'm not going to read the whole, well, yeah, I'm going to read most of it. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. So there's a lot of really good and practical language in this passage. Scripture, this is like a lot about what Scripture does in our lives and, and how we use it. Scripture makes us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith, and the summons to faith. Is a foundational purpose of the Scriptures, right? The fact that the Bible calls us and summons us to have faith. The salvation that comes through faith in Jesus Christ is at the center of the revelation of Scripture, right? Right at the center of what Scripture is getting at is this story that compels us to be saved, to have faith in the story. Scripture calls us to believe and paints this beautiful and compelling invitation into the reality of God, a reality that anchors our faith and our thoughts and our conduct, our behavior. So probably the most well-known thing that the Bible has to say about the Bible is that 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, right? You may have heard that before. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Maybe you learned it in the King James Version, memorized it as a kid, something like that. So that the servant of God may, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work so scripture is from God that's, that's good that's important it's from God it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness and it's good for every good work so scripture invites us into very specific ways of believing with our hearts and our faith of thinking with our minds and of Behaving and living and walking out our faith. Teaching has to do with what I believe and what I think and how I live. And scriptures offer rebuke and correction to my faith and my theology and my behavior. So the training and the righteousness I receive in scripture is actually holistic. It forms my heart, it forms your heart, it forms our minds, and it forms our hands, it forms the way we live and all of that is in service to being thoroughly equipped to live it all out day in and day out. So, this is why I wanted to hold all three of the categories together: belief, thought, and living. Because it's e- the easy thing to do is to pick my favorite and then neglect the others. Say belief, for example. The apostle Paul saw this one springing up in the church in Corinth. During his ministry he said, "If I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, love, love in action, is nothing. It's a critique of having right belief but no action. There's no faith expressing itself in love here. But what if I have right thinking without right belief or action, okay? A person could be devoted or almost obsessed with studying the Bible and understanding it completely. You can, you can go down that rabbit hole and, and simultaneously lose sight of all the ways that it is calling us to trust in God and to change our behavior. We get so obsessed with understanding it with our mind that we forget that this is actually something that is supposed to affect how we live. We build a beautiful tapestry of ideas, but we give them no place to live. And then, of course, there is this temptation, possibility, of treating the Bible exclusively as basic instructions before leaving earth. A rule book for living. But if we don't have deep, deep faith and thoughtful theology, it devolves into nothing but rules and legalism, right? It's just a rule book, a handbook for how I, how I, how I can keep myself in check. But Without faith, without thoughtful theology, it's just rules and legalism. So I'm encouraged when I read what Paul said to Timothy just a few verses later in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. When he says, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage, same words he used before, with great patience and careful instruction. Great patience and careful instruction. So Paul's just given this, this teaching about Scripture. But this is a rubber meets the road lesson for Timothy. To trust the scripture to do what God says it will do. Do we trust the scripture to do what God says it's going to do in our lives? He says to preach the word, to correct, to rebuke, to encourage, and to be patient and to be careful, right? Careful instruction. Be careful. In Hebrews, scriptures are referred to as sharper than any double-edged sword. That's not something to wield recklessly, a double-edged sword right so we're supposed to know the power of scripture and wield it faithfully patiently humbly and carefully so it's an amazing thing it's an amazing thing to have our beliefs our beliefs our faith our thoughts and our lives shaped by the very same scriptures that reveal God to us right so the first two points again scriptures reveal who God is Revelation, and then the second point is believing, thinking, and living. The Scriptures order our faith, doctrine, and conduct. And then the third, the third building block is this, devotion. Scriptures draw us deeper into Jesus. Scripture practice is devotional as well. That is, we can spend time dwelling in Scripture Meditating on its words. And in that very practice of just slowing down, reading scripture, being with God in the scriptures, we can be shaped by God in that practice. Devotion to scripture was a defining characteristic of the church in Berea in Acts chapter 17. And, if, and then, of course, we have this description of the early church in Acts 2, which said this they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So, we don't know exactly what form the apostles' teaching took in that particular community, which, which apostles' teaching they were talking about specifically, but we know that chunks of the apostles' teaching is what eventually would become the New Testament. That's, that's what we read. Matthew to Revelation is all the apostles' teaching. And bonus points to anybody who noticed a couple shout-outs in this passage, to previous teachings in our practice series, right? Breaking of bread, sacrament, and to prayer, right? These practices are foundational have been done by the church since the very beginning. The apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. Riverside. We take seriously the practice of reading scripture devotionally. As long as I've been around, and certainly before that, we've made available a daily devotional of some kind in paper copies, email, and on our website. And if you don't know what I'm talking about or haven't heard anything about that, uh, grab a paper copy on your way out today because we have them or sign up through our website. But the practice of faithfully coming together around God's Word as a community is a meaningful thing, something that we want to prioritize as a community. And I have to confess that I personally sometimes forget just how powerful it is to read daily devotional together as a body. And myself, I'm thankful for today's reminders. So, so I'm thankful today on this, the Sabbath day, at least what we observe as the Sabbath day. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for it, for the apostles' teaching. I'm thankful for the breaking of bread, and I'm thankful for prayer. These are all the practices we've covered so far, right? Sabbath, sacraments, prayer, scripture. Thankful for all of it. Uh, We are and have been centered on the scriptures. And I'm just about to invite you to the table or to come and receive prayer. Again, foundational practices. The church of Acts 2 may not have had any idea what to do with pro-presenter slides or microphones or, let's say, electricity. At least being harnessed. But isn't it comforting to know that we still value those essential things? Not not pro-presenter, that's that's what I'm talking about. These essential practices, after 2,000 years of church history, Sabbath, sacraments, prayer, Scripture, these core, simple practices, Praise to God who is revealed to us in the scriptures and who is revealed to us at the table. Let's pray. Lord, you are so very good. Lord, I think of the critique that Jesus offers in John chapter 5 of those who. Search the scriptures thinking that in them they will find life while missing the one whom the scriptures testify, Jesus himself. May we never miss the forest for the trees, Lord. May we never miss that these scriptures reveal you, reveal your presence, reveal who you are. Reveal the kingdom that you're calling us into. May we never forget that story. May we never forget that goodness and that wonder. So, Lord, we thank you for meeting us, meeting us in your scripture, and we thank you for meeting us at your table. As we come to your table together, May we be sustained. May our faith be sustained. May we encounter you. May our eyes be opened that we might recognize you, just like the folks at the table after the Emmaus Road journey. We thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Riverside Church. For more resources, visit riverside.church.